Well, good morning. It's great to have you all here today. Um, We are in a series right now called Questions, and it's the series where you ask the questions, and I'll do the very best job that I know how to do to answer them biblically. And let me just say the response to this series, the request for questions, has been very strong. Many of you have submitted questions. They keep coming in every day, and I just have appreciated those. They've challenged me considerably. I've even enjoyed the questions that were submitted in jest, okay? Uh, Some of you have submitted some questions for nothing more than the comedic value that they present. And I want you to know that I have laughed. We've had some good hearty laughs at some of these questions. I'll share with you one of those. Um, I don't know who submitted this, so there's no one from stopping me from sharing it with you. And so I don't know, who, maybe you're in this room, I don't know, but it, you need to know we all had a good laugh from this question. And the question was this, please help me settle a dispute with my wife. She is angry because I wouldn't share my pizza with her. I base my actions in a verse in 1 Thessalonians that says, hold fast to that which is good. (laughs) And he says, was I wrong? Was I wrong? Listen, I don't know who you are, but that's funny. I like that question. But in all seriousness, you guys just keep the questions coming as God lays them on your heart. You should go ahead and ask them because you never know how God's going to use your specific question to maybe impact our entire church family. And you pray for me because I'm praying over all of these questions as well. And if you, like, if you've got one to submit, just go to the app. That's the way to do it. Click on, or tap on that big green question mark on your app, and then you can ask away. Now, um, last week we tackled the question: Where did the Bible come from, and and how did we get it? And if you weren't able to be here last week for whatever reason, let me challenge you to go back and watch or listen to that sermon. I think it's foundational to this whole series. Um, 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 I just I, I feel like. You know, we should be making every effort that we can to be in church. But if for some reason we can't, I'm thankful we have the tools available to us that you can still uh, miss but not miss out. Does that make sense? So I hope you will take up that challenge and, uh, and go back. Also, this past Thursday, I released a live stream through Facebook where we tackled a few more of these questions that came in about the validity of the Bible. Can we trust it? How do we know for sure? Um, so that's also available if you want to go back and watch that as well if you missed it. Now, today we're going to tackle another question, but before we do, let's quickly refresh our ground rules. Remember what they are? Ground rule number one, what the Bible says trumps everything. I will always stand, and we as a church will always stand unapologetically with the Bible. And if the Bible takes a strong stand on something, that's where we're going to land. And it really doesn't matter what our opinion is on that specific issue. The Bible speaks clearly. That's where we're going to be. Second ground rule is that the Bible doesn't specifically mention every subject under the sun. And so what do we do in those cases? Well, we're going to search the scriptures and the Bible is going to lead us through what I believe are going to be these guiding principles to help us land where we're supposed to land. Ground rule number three, we got to keep this in mind, that there are some questions that uh, the Bible doesn't definitively say it's this or this. And the Bible even, Bible even speaks about when the church encounters these, what they call matters of opinions. So when we come across those, as your brother in Christ, I'll share with you my opinion. As your pastor, I'll share with you what I think. But then you're going to have to wrestle that down on your own and come up to your own conclusion in that. And that's probably a lot of grace in that as well. So let's pray together. Let's ask God for his help today. Lord, we just humbly come before you as we go to your word. And Lord, forgive us if we ever come across like we know everything, because we certainly don't. We need your help. 
We thank you for your word. Lord, this world can present before us some really tough questions, some real head scratchers for sure. But Lord, we need your help. So as we venture into this next round of questioning, Lord, would you guide us? Lord, may we come out of this whole experience today a little bit more in tune with you, a little bit more clarity on perhaps what you want us to do next. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I'll tell you, the question that we're gonna tackle this week is a lot like last week's question in that there were a number of questions that all related to kind of the same family of questions. So what I did was I took all those questions and I tried to harmonize them in kind of this one succinct question that we could use as a launching pad. Think of it like this. It's a funnel. This series is like a funnel. All the questions go in the top, you know, about one specific subject, and they've got to filter down into something that is beneficial for everybody that kind of you know, touches all the questions all the same time. And I believe that's what we're doing here. The, the submissions, a lot of them had to deal with um, what we do when doubts and questions about God arise in our lives. So here's the question. What should I do when I experience doubts or questions about God? And maybe to tag with that is, it, is this follow-up question. Is it even okay to experience some levels of doubt in my Christian life? Well, that's quite a question, wouldn't you agree? A lot of you ask questions kind of in that family of thought. I would say this just in all honesty, it's gonna require more than one sermon. I'll just be honest with you. Now, perhaps you can relate to the person who humbly submitted this question through the app saying, there are times when I feel so connected to God and other times it feels like I'm wandering in the desert spiritually. I wonder if God is still with me. Why can't I feel him? You, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, is there anybody in this room today that can't relate to that question? <laughs> We've been there, right? We've wondered those things. Someone else expressed a heartfelt question through the app about why God would allow a family member who has served the Lord faithfully their whole life, but never seemed to receive any kind of blessing for that dedication to God. Other people receive things, but in their whole life, it was hard, it was tough, and when, you know, why didn't God be good to them? Questions about that. Someone also expressed concerns if it's even okay to utter a question about doubting anything. You know, they ask if a Christian starts asking hard questions about faith, their impression is that the response is always, we'll just believe and have faith. And that's not working for them. And they ask, if I'm wrestling through some doubts, does this mean I can believe and not fully believe at the same time? Is that an okay place to be at? Those are really, really good questions. And if you've spent very much time in church at all, maybe you grew up in Sunday school you might have this impression that if you ever had a doubt about the Lord or you ever questioned anything that, uh, that was ever taught about the Bible, that somehow you have managed to put your faith in jeopardy. You ever had that impression? Or maybe your very salvation is compromised if you ever had a question about the validity of, of something. Have I just compromised myself? If you've ever questioned anything that I've ever shared with you in a sermon, of course, we know that never happens. But, um, but no, in all seriousness, is that okay to do? 
Well, let's ask this question. What is doubt? I mean, let's, let's make sure we're talking about the same thing because we might have different impressions of what this word doubt really means. Doubt just defined is this. It's the feeling of uncertainty or it's the lack of confidence about something. Doubt is to be just uncertain. It's, it's an uncertain feeling about something. You know, we all know that the Olympics are going on right now. And if you turn on the TV day or night, you're going to watch some of the greatest athletes this world has to offer. You're going to see guys that can run, run right out of their shoes. You're going to see guys that can jump and ladies that can jump. You're going to see people, men and women, that can swim laps and not even be out of breath. You're, I was watching some swimming last night, and it was this 400-meter relay. It was down and back, down and back, down and back, down. And I'm like, I would have gotten out of the pool before the first uh, lap, okay? I'm done. I'll take last place. I'm fine. You know, we watch these amazing feats, and you may, have, you may have always had this impression, I'm a good runner. I'm a good swimmer. Give me a javelin, I'll throw it farther than anybody else out there. And then you watch what they do, and then you begin to have some doubts about yourself. And all of a sudden, you are so confident that I, I'm good. And, and now you're like, oh man, I see them, and I'm, I don't think I'm good. I've got doubts. There's not a parent in the world, and I'm just telling you, it's the truth. There is not a parent alive in the world today that has not questioned their ability to parent. Something comes along and you're like, I'm terrible at this. How did God entrust this little life to me? Because I stink at this thing. And you doubt and you question if I should even be one. We look out at the world today and we have uncertainty about where this place is heading. How about your job? You show up at work every day and you've got doubts and questions and uncertainty about whether you're even gonna have a job at five o'clock today or a relationship that you happen to be in and it was going great but all of a sudden all kinds of doubt, uncertainty, lack of conviction. I feel uncertain about things. And, and as that relates and overlays onto our Christian life, my question, I think the question that has been asked multiple times is, is it wrong to experience some levels of uncertainty or to have some lack of conviction about some things? Have you ever felt uncertain about the goodness of God? That's a big one for a lot of Christians today as they wrestle through it. I grew up in church, many of you did too. I grew up in Sunday school. I grew up saying the right prayer before you eat, which is God is great, God is good, let us thank him for the food. And good and food does not rhyme, I don't care how many times you try, but the prayer still works, right? You guys say that prayer growing up? You ever prayed that with your kids? You ever said that prayer? But then life has kicked you in the teeth once or twice and you've wondered, I, I, I think God is great. I don't know if he's so good. You wrestle with that? Perhaps some ongoing struggles in your life has made things difficult. You're in a very difficult journey right now and, and, and you feel a little guilty that you've wondered if God still has got his eye on you. Maybe you've experienced some doubt in your life in the last year in regards to covid and all that has happened, and how life has just been flipped all around. And, and you're like, God, why don't you step in and do something? I believe the song my whole life that you've got the whole world in your hands, and I wonder if you still do after all that we've been through. Have you lost somebody close to you lately? 
and maybe some doubt has crept in. God, I thought you cared about me. God, I thought you cared about that family. I used to always think that you're right by my side. I wonder if you're paying attention. Maybe this is you. God, I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray and it doesn't seem like you listen and it doesn't seem like you respond and I wonder if, if, if you actually hear me. Do, do prayers work? Ever, ever watch somebody else have everything they ever want and everything go their way? And maybe in your quieter moments, you're like, God, why don't you bless me like you're blessing them, obviously? Or maybe you've wondered quietly, God, why does it seem like you're distributing all of your blessings so unfairly? Here's a big one. You look around and you notice all the injustice and all the suffering and just the plain evil that exists in the world today, and you ask this question. It's a, it's a question that everybody wrestles with. How can God be good when the world is so bad? Doubts, uncertainty. Have you ever experienced anything like that in your Christian journey? Well, friends, if you have experienced anything like that in the past, or, or maybe, let's be honest, maybe you're wrestling with that right now. Can I help maybe put your mind at just a little bit of ease today and let you know that there is no reason for you to feel guilty about having such feelings? Uncertainties are a natural part of what we call the human existence. I bet you weren't expecting me to say that today, were you? Do you know why I can say that? You know why I feel comfortable saying it like that? I feel comfortable because some of the greatest men and women of God have experienced questions, confusion, and have had some doubts about their own lives but yet have come out of those experiences more in love with God and more confident in their faith. My father, um, who's in heaven now, um, he was my spiritual hero. He was in ministry for over 50 years. And, um, and when I think about who's the greatest Christian I've ever known or what do I try to model my life after of anybody on earth, it'd be my father. Years ago, we were having this conversation, and it really surprised me. It, it took me back because I'd never seen my father in that light before. But he said to me, he said, you know, Joe, my first couple years in college, he was a student at Oklahoma State University. He openly shared with me, I struggled through some real seasons of doubt and uncertainty about my faith. And I'm like, what? This spiritual giant of a man responsible for seeing thousands of people come to Christ um, you, you had doubts and uncertainty? You see, he, he went to Oklahoma State and was bombarded with all kinds of questions from professors with every initial after their name you could imagine that challenged the very foundation of core of everything that ever believed him and taught his whole life and he didn't know how to stand up under it and their arguments seemed to make so much sense and he didn't know how to defend his faith or anything like that. He said, I realized that growing up in the church did not prepare me for the onslaught that I was being uh, uh, exposed to and I didn't know how to stand up in it and it caused me to question the very foundation of what I believed my whole life. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea. He asked questions, did, did God really do this? How do I know that's true? 
What do I say to somebody that challenges the validity of the bodily resurrection of Jesus as something that couldn't happen? He wasn't sure. Now, for my dad, he resolved to answer every one of those questions, and he went on a journey and a search until he wrestled down every one of those questions to satisfaction, and he came out on the other side of that a stronger Christian than before, more in love with the Lord, more in tune with the mission that God had put in front of his life. He came out. That's why I say doubt and uncertainty are a part of the human existence. Some of the greatest men and women of God I've ever known have gone through seasons of doubt, but what they came out on the other side, more in love with the Lord from that. Let me share something with you that I believe is really important for us to to understand as followers of Jesus Christ. You ready? Thinking about your faith is not the same thing as doubting your faith. And just let that sink in for me. I'm gonna explain it a little bit further, but thinking about your faith is not the same thing as flat out doubting your faith. And I believe that it's easy as a follower of Jesus to get this all kind of confused at times. There are questions that arise in our journey with God that don't make sense on the surface. And we desire to have more confirmation or more understanding. Or perhaps you're going through life and we all experience this and we get knocked down and we're picking ourselves back up and it creates questions. Let me ask you this. When you experience that kind of stuff, does that mean all of a sudden that doubting your faith or having a couple questions makes you an unbeliever. Is that what we're saying? I sure hope not. That's not what I'm saying at all. Do you recall who the most famous doubter of the Bible was? Do you remember his name? Doubting Thomas. That's right, Doubting Thomas. Do you ever think when we get to heaven and we're meeting everybody, you know, the millions of people there, hey, how you doing, how you doing, how you doing? good to meet you, meet you. And he's like, hey, my name's Thomas. Are you the Thomas that we read about in the Bible? Are you Doubting Thomas? And Thomas was like, yeah, but we don't use that anymore up here. Thank you very much. <laughs> I don't know. My, you know my brain is weird. It, it kind of, Doubting Thomas. We read about him in John chapter 20. He was a disciple of Jesus, and what did he have doubts of? He had doubts that what the disciples were telling him about the resurrection of Jesus was true. That's what he was doubting. Thomas had been with Jesus for several years. Thomas had seen all of Jesus' miracles. He had heard every sermon that Jesus preached. You could say that Thomas had a front row seat. He was a witness, an eyewitness to all the amazing things, the greatest moments we read about in the Gospels. Thomas was there. After the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. Thomas wasn't in the room when it happened, and he could not accept that what the disciples were telling him was accurate. Now, this is what happened. John chapter 20, verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. So a question, as I read that, my question is, does this mean that all of a sudden everything that Thomas ever believed about Jesus was nullified in that one moment? Is that what that means? Now obviously, I didn't know Thomas. You didn't know Thomas. I don't know Thomas' heart. I wasn't in the room. I, I don't know. 
But personally, I have a hard time accepting that in that moment, Thomas flat out rejected everything that he knew about Jesus. The reality, from my point of view, is simply that Thomas was not there when Jesus appeared to the disciples after the resurrection and he found it hard to accept the testimony of his other friends. After all, Jesus died and Thomas saw him die. And up to that point, every death that Thomas had ever been exposed to was, well, let's face it, permanent. He didn't believe their testimony. But what happened next? Did Thomas just pack his bags, go home? Nice knowing you fellas, we had a good run, saw some amazing things, but fooey on you now, I don't believe your testimony. Bye. No, that's not what happens. We know that for the next week, Thomas hung in there with the other disciples. I would imagine for the next week, there was all kinds of conversations about Jesus. And I think it went something like this. Hey, you remember when Jesus said this? That was pretty awesome. Hey, remember when we just had a little bit of fish and bread and then all of a sudden Jesus prayed over it and we had more than we've ever seen? That was pretty awesome. Do you remember when Jesus said, and I don't think any of us dialed into it, fellas, but do you remember when he said, the son of man has to suffer and die at the hands of the Pharisees and he must die and three days later raise back to life? Oh, I remember that. Thomas didn't just say fooey on you guys. I, there was a whole week there where I would say it like this. And again, I'm taking a little bit of liberty here, so I'm just being honest with you. I believe that there was a week here where Thomas is wrestling with his doubt. I believe there's a week here where he's in the midst of working through some uncertainties. And then look at verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know what I love, I really love about this moment in the Bible is that in this moment, Thomas is not reprimanded for having questions and uncertainties. Do you see that? He's not reprimanded for this. He's not criticized. There's no evidence in the text that he was criticized by anybody for having some uncertainties. But instead, he was just challenged to believe. And Thomas, overcoming his doubt in that moment, he offers us what is one of the greatest testimonies that you're gonna see in anywhere in the Bible where he says, my Lord and my God. His uncertainty turned into confidence which resulted in massive exaltation of God and praise. Here's where I'm going with this. Questions, uncertainties, even some doubts are a normal part of our lives. So what are you gonna do about it? As it relates to your faith, like it did with Thomas, what are you going to do about it? I would argue that if you don't give up, if you don't, in a sense, pack your bags, sayonara, Fooey on all you, if you don't do that, then what could be right around the corner for you 
is one of the greatest encounters with Jesus you've ever experienced. Thinking about your faith, researching your faith, wrestling down answers to questions, discovering the realities of God's word, going on a sincere search of the truth is not the same thing as flat out doubting your faith. So if you're in that situation right now, I would imagine that a room our size, a church like ours, we got plenty of questions. I'm reading the questions you're submitting to me. There's a lot of questions out there. So if that's you, or you're in the midst of a relationship and counseling somebody who does have questions about the faith, what do you do? What are some steps? How do I get this thing going? How do I move off of where I am now towards something that makes sense? I'm gonna give you three things. There's a lot more than three, but we're gonna start with three. The first one is this. When doubts come, and they will, when doubts come, don't try to hide them or pretend they don't exist. I don't think that's healthy. I think a lot of Christians suffer in silence because they're too afraid to ask questions. They're too afraid to look like I'm not in the know. I hope that we're not the kind of church that's afraid to ask questions. Don't pretend like they don't exist. Instead, do what? Take them to God in prayer and ask him to help you resolve them. I believe that is the first step for anything. If you got a question on uncertainty, I'm gonna get down on my knees. I'm gonna ask God about it. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna take this to the one that can, is most equipped to help me resolve it. And that's the Lord. And this is backed up by scripture. Uh, there's this amazing encounter that happens in Mark chapter nine. And um, if we start around verse 17, there's this man that had a son who was possessed by a demon, if you can imagine. And he comes to Jesus' disciples for help. They can't help him, so he brings him to Jesus. Here's what happens. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, becomes rigid, and I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. And some of you are like, I never had a question to submit till right now. Reading this. Jesus said, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at his mouth. And Jesus asked the boy, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. I couldn't even imagine. Can you imagine what this father's going through? Verse 22, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' response. If you can, if I can't, if you can, what? Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, now this is a text for another sermon and another question and another day, but what I wanna focus in on just right now is Jesus is talking about believing, and this man says, I believe. But in all honesty, there was things he struggled with. So he says, I believe, will you help me with my unbelief? And I'll just be honest with you. I find it very comforting to know that Jesus does not seem to be turned off by this admission and request. 
It looks like Jesus accepted such a request, and I believe Jesus accepts such prayers in this way. I believe, can you help me with my, my unbelief? And Jesus, if you finish the, the encounter, you read it on your own, Jesus responded very favorably to this man's omission. I believe, help me now with my unbelief. I tell you that to say this. If we got questions and uncertainties, the very first place we should take them to is right to the Lord. God, help me with this. I need your help. I'm asking you, Lord, to help show me some things. Here's the second thing that we must never take our eyes off or never lose sight of this reality. Never lose sight of the fact that you are involved in spiritual warfare. We absolutely are. Never underestimate this enemy of ours. The last thing that he would ever want is for any of your questions to get answered. He would rather you suffer in silence and not know. That's what he wants. We're in a spiritual war. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a fight. And sometimes these questions, our doubts, our uncertainties are on the front lines of this spiritual war. And it could go one way or the other. Um, I love what William Craig said one time. He said, doubt is not just a matter of academic debate or disinterested intellectual discussion. It involves a battle for your very soul. And if Satan can use doubt to immobilize you or destroy you, then he will. We're in a spiritual battle here, friends. And oftentimes uncertainty and doubt are on the front lines of this battle. Third thing that I think we need to keep in mind is this. When you experience doubts and uncertainties, you've got to get into the Bible. You've got to get with people who know it well, people who love God and who will walk this journey with you. You gotta get in the word. That's where the answers are. That's where God will wrestle with you is over the word. This is where God will open your eyes to some realities that you didn't know before. It's from the word. We have this tendency to give up way too quickly on things. And perhaps that could be the result of this instant information world that we find ourselves living in today. I mean, you got a question about just about anything. You can Google it, and 90 seconds later, you, you got the answer. But the stuff we're talking about here can't be solved in a 90-second Google search. The kind of stuff that we're talking about here that God wants to wrestle down with you only comes about when we spend time in the scriptures and on our knees in prayer and we take our own time to do the research. We invest the time necessary and make it a spiritual battle. This is when these things become clear. Some questions you're only gonna get answered when your Bible is out open in front of you and you are on your knees before God. Most questions will not be resolved in a 35-minute sermon. Not even a 35-sermon by me, although your chances do increase. I'm just saying, no. I'm, I'm kidding. These things take time. They take investment. They take wrestling down. During Paul's ministry, in Acts chapter 17, it's starting to, 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 to it's, he's moving through his missionary journey. 
And in Acts chapter 17, he goes to an area called Berea. Let me share something very interesting here. In Acts chapter 17, verse 10, it says, As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if Paul if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. Here's what's going on. Paul and Silas are preaching the gospel. They're telling them all about Jesus. And they receive this. They're very eager. This is great. We love this message. But they didn't take it at face value. They were excited about it. And then what did they do? They searched the scripture. So what the implications are, are these. We love what Paul is saying. Let's verify the validity of it. Let's go in and search. So what was Paul saying? Paul would preach this message about the good news of Jesus Christ, and no doubt he was telling these Jewish Berean people that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the prophecies. All the prophecies we read about in the scriptures. And they're like, well, let's find out. Everything he's saying makes sense. It lines up perfectly. You have Paul and Silas, they're preaching about um, how Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for our sins, and that was predicted in the Old Testament, and how all the Holy Scriptures speak to this grand moment when God would send his son. We're gonna find out about that. And they search the Scripture diligently, and they verify it's true. And what was the result? They believed. So their doubts, their questions motivated them to sort out truth from error. Some of you guys have doubts, and some of you have some real questions. So as your pastor, let me, let me challenge you to be like a Berean. Let that motivate you. Let these questions motivate you to sort out truth from error. Don't just sit there and do nothing. What would have happened if the uh, Bereans would have said to Paul, we don't believe you, and we're not even gonna try to figure it out? What if they just didn't even bother to search well, then their doubt would have turned out to be, what, counterproductive. Their doubts, their questions would have pushed them farther away from believing and being saved. So questions, doubts that we might be running, have running through our minds, they can either motivate us as a Christian today to sort out truth from error, or they could become counterproductive. And this is where a spiritual war comes in. They could become counterproductive and push you away. So what's it gonna be with you? What's it gonna be with you? Do you lack today information and knowledge? If you do, then it's time to get in God's word and study. Get on this wonderful journey with God. Anybody in here lack some understanding? Anybody lack understanding? Well, then let's ask God for wisdom. Let's do exactly what he tells us to do. In James chapter one, verse five, ask for wisdom and God will give it. Do any of you struggle today with unbelief? Then be like that guy in, in Mark chapter nine with the demon-possessed son. I believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Ask God to help you parse through these things. 
Are you struggling today with uh, issues that involve disillusionment or fear or discouragement? And questions have crept in about those things. God, where are you? You know what that might just be a sign of? That you are in desperate need of some spiritual refreshment. It means that your, your spiritual gas tank is on empty. And for you, you might just need to get away for a few days and be with God, have some alone time with God. It, it might be, I need to get a stronger brother, sister in Christ into this with me and we, we need to start refilling this spiritual gas tank of mine. Do your questions or doubts come from a moral issue in your life right now? What I mean by that is, is there something that you've invited into your life that you know is unholy? Is there something in your life that you're allowing to stay that is unholy? And because there's this thing happening within you that allowed it to happen, whatever, it has opened the door for all kinds of doubts to creep in and all kinds of things to question that you never did before. And I would ask, do, do you need to make some decisions today to get your life right with God because the doubts and questions you have is actually just a smokescreen for your need to confess your sins before God and seek forgiveness and stop this ungodly behavior. Whatever the case may be, I do know this, God's not done with any of us. God's not done with you, not by a long shot. And I know this, that some questions and doubts and uncertainty may be opening the door for you to the greatest levels of faith that you've ever experienced. We all know who the most famous doubter in the Bible was, Thomas. Are you aware of some of the other famous doubters of the Bible? Thomas wasn't the only one. Have you heard of another famous doubter? His name was Asaph. Do you know about his doubting story? We first learn about Asaph. He was a Levite. King David appointed him as a musician um, uh, for the Lord. We read about him in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Some of our Psalms were written by Asaph. It makes sense. Asaph's a musician. Why wouldn't he write some of the Psalms? There's this psalm, Psalm 73. If you're not familiar with it, you should become familiar with it. It's very much uh, on point with what we're talking about today. We're not gonna read it today. It's a little bit lengthy, but you read it on your own time. But he starts that psalm with a confession. He says that my feet almost slipped. That's quite a confession. Something happened and I almost slipped up. And what was it about? His slip-up had to do with the fact that in that season of his life, he was envious of the prosperity of the wicked. Look at what they got. And what do I got? Doubt began to creep into his life, and he writes very clearly and openly about this in the 73rd Psalm. Doubt started to creep into his life about if there was still value in serving God. Because his logic was, those that aren't serving God, those that could care less about God and his temple or anything holy, they seem to be doing pretty good. That was his observation. Isn't it interesting how the same things that we deal with today are the exact same things God's people dealt with all those years ago? 
But as you keep reading the psalm, you realize that he did not let this doubt and these questions linger for very long. He didn't let them cause him to fall. Instead, what, what did he do? Instead, he went into the temple. And you read this part specifically in Psalm 73, verse 16 and 17. He went into the temple and he brought all of these troubling thoughts and he laid them before God. And when he did that, he came to understand that there is a destiny that God had in store for wickedness. He came to understand that prosperity is only temporary and it would ultimately end in destruction if it's not about God. And their life might be good now, it might seem like all the better roses today, but it will not last. And in the end, by the end of that psalm, Asaph draws back very near to God what his doubt had done, his doubt and questions led him to the brink, but what he did instead is he took them right to God and the Lord helped him see that God was sufficient for him and that, uh, and that he was strengthened by this in his faith and, and it helped him grow. And friends, I think we can experience the exact same things today. Some of our doubts and questions threaten to make us slip, but where do we take those? We take those right to God. And we could have a story like Asaph's where I took it to God and God opened my eyes and I came out on the other side stronger than before. So ask God for help. We're in a spiritual war. Questions, doubts, and uncertainties are on the front lines of that war. Get in the Bible. Get in church. Friends, if you're dealing with some doubts and uncertainty, this is not the time to stay away from church. This is, not to ha- this is not the time to have the, if it works into my schedule, I'll see you on Sunday kind of mentality. Or Saturday night if you're really holy. But that's what they think on Saturday night. But anyway, I'm just going. Get in God's word. Be in church. Be with people who will love you and pray with you. Bring people into this journey to walk with you. And if you'll take those steps, you'll be amazed at what God will show you. You'll be utterly amazed what God will open your eyes to when you invite him into the journey. So that's my prayer for for us today, that we would invite God in and help him open our eyes and guide us. And not that because we have uncertainty, there's anything wrong with that, but what we do with our uncertainties and doubt, that's the pivotal moment. Let me pray for us. Would you join me? Lord, I just thank you, God, that you are an understanding, loving God. And as we've examined some of these examples in the Bible of people with questions and uncertainties, and from a psalmist writer to one of your disciples to a man who had a sick son, and Lord, we're not all that different. Lord, I would imagine in a room our size that we got lots of questions and doubts. It's evidence with this series. Lord, help us to be with this mentality. Lord, I believe, help me, though, with the other stuff. Lord, I pray that we'll all be motivated to journey down this road of clarity and search. And Lord, help us to look to you in all things, Lord. Lord, I pray for that individual today that may be even doubting if you're real. Or that person that wonders if you still listen to their prayers. 
or that individual who's gotten kicked in the teeth so many times, they wonder if you're still gonna be around when they get back up. Somebody that experienced a level of loss that's so deep, they wonder if your caring touch works. Whatever our questions are, God, I pray that we don't bury them deep. But we just open it honest before you. Lord, I got questions, and I'm inviting you in to help me find the answers. Lord, bring somebody into my life who walked this journey with me. Lord, help me grow through this. Lord, help me come out on the other side more in tune with you than I've ever been, more confident in my faith. Lord, we affirm today that everything that you said in your word is true. Now help us see the validity of it. Help us see, Lord, how true it really is. We love you, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord. May we hunger and thirst for that reality every day. In Jesus' name, amen.